This episode of Point Shot is brought to you by BenchClears. You can now visit BenchClears.com and use promo code AREA51SENTME to get 10% off on your order. So that is any of their air mesh style tanks and shorts, all of which are NHL officially licensed product. So you can support your team all summer long with Bench Clears. We are joined here today by the director of scouting and lord of fantasy hockey, apparently, a VP ringside, Cam Robinson. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I, I guess I have to confirm, did you win your fantasy championship this year? Man, of course I did. Of course I did. <laughs> I couldn't put lord of fantasy hockey if I didn't bring I should have brought the trophy so I could be lording it all around here, too. No, yeah, I'm, leading yeah. my, I'm leading my playoff pool, too, and the boys, they're not loving that. And If I go back-to-back on them here, they're not going to be too pleased. Has it got to the point in the league that everyone conspires against you to try to beat you? 100%. There's, there's been about five years where the hashtag fuck CJD is just like, that is what <laughs> is ended at every single post. If it has nothing to do with me, it doesn't even matter. It's just they slide that right at the end of it. It's yeah, I I suffer the same same fate. Uh, But thankfully, I I won it this year after two years of not uh, not bringing home the championship. So it felt uh, felt pretty sweet, especially when it was just an open secret or, you know, open, not even an open secret that everyone was conspiring against me this year. Oh yeah, yeah suffer. Sure. Yeah. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it feels good though when you you know you go against all odds because guys do, right? they, they won't trade with me anymore and they'll try to like load up my competitors. I'm like, just bring it. We'll see. I, we'll see. Exactly. I make yeah. a trade offer and that person immediately goes to one of my other competitors and says, yeah. "All right, this is what they're offering. Will you beat that?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like that playing on expert mode, right? Yeah. It's it's playing on expert mode, right? So yeah. yeah, exactly. It definitely feels a little sweeter. I got to tell you. Uh, yeah, so who right. is your favorite athlete of all time? Mm. Shoot. Well, I mean, MJ comes to mind just jumping right out at me. Um, but, uh, you know, hockey first and foremost. So it'd probably be Pavel. He was my guy when I was a kid. Loved him. Yeah, uh, yeah I, it, for me, it's Pavel too. It's uh, definitely the easy Vancouver Canuck answer for sure. Mm. What was your first concert or best concert that you've ever been to? 
my first concert and this is a fun one i think i was like five and my parents took me to see and look at this this is so perfect the teenage mutant ninja turtles on stage <laughs> so these dudes in those costumes up there rocking out and i guess i guess i just like took off into like the mosh pit of kids and, and parents and my parents <laughs> lost me for like a half an hour at this concert and freaking out thinking about calling security and i was just up there just jamming out with mikey and yeah uh best, awesome. best concert was probably uh my favorite band ever was the hip and uh, i got to see them eight times and i was lucky enough to see them on their final the farewell tour so that was pretty that was pretty boss three encores that was pretty special for sure yeah that was yeah. uh that was massacaris's answer too and uh, yeah i can't imagine that <laughs> i i wasn't at that I'm, and i wasn't a huge tragically hip fan but yeah i can only imagine how surreal that would feel Oh man, I had to work for it too. So they the the tickets sold out like immediately, right? All the bots got them, and then they're trying to scalp them for for fifty times their value. And uh, so I just made a post on Craigslist, being like, "Hey, like I'll pay what's fair. I'll give you some extra money, but like don't be a dick about it." And uh, the news called me. I guess they read my thing, like, "Hey, can we come and interview you?" So they came up to my school and they they did like a little interview, and they got me like teaching high jump and stuff to these kids. And I got a bunch of people sending me emails being like, I'll sell them to you for face value. And so we ended up getting the tickets. And yeah, it's good. That's, awesome. that's good. That's actually yeah. sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially with a concert like that, like, you know, taking advantage of scalper rates, just that feels especially dirty. Right. Uh, what TV show are you watching right now? We're watching, my wife and I, we're watching Billions. Have you guys seen Billions? Oh, mm. Yes. No, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of it until, you know, yeah, three or four months ago. And I, I saw somebody, yeah, on Twitter posted out there, like, as their most underrated show. And I was like, what's this? It's it's a banger. Yeah, we're we're jamming on it for sure. It, to me, it took a couple episodes to warm up to. Like, I, I watched it, like, when it aired initially. And then I think after, like, three or four episodes, I was kind of like, eh. Uh, but then, of course, you know, once the full season came out in the finale, I, you know, my friends were talking about it, too. So I picked it up again then. Yeah, I, I could see my wife's eyes glazing over a little bit as they're just like getting into the minutia of trade, like of stock trading lingo. And like, even I'm not following it all the way, but I have some indication I'm like pausing. I'm like, all right, do you know what just happened there? It was like when we watched The Sopranos, like every few minutes I pause it, like, all right, do you know what's going on? Or the wire. Do you know who just died? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah. 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 I'm not saying anything, but I just yeah. want to make sure you noticed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is the best vacation that you've ever been on? Or do you have one in mind for as soon as you're allowed to go again? Ooh, best vacation. Uh, me and some boys traveled around Central America 100 years ago. That was that was pretty good. I would say that. And uh, yeah, we were supposed to go to Mexico last year and that fell through. We'll try this uh, maybe next year, next winter. We'll try it again, but it'll be the first kind of family vacation. So we'll see how that goes. It probably won't have as many hangovers, but sun, <laughs> sun and beach will still be all right. Yeah, a different type of fun, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. yes. Uh, well, that leads nextly, uh, perfect into the next one. What is your favorite drink? I'm feeling GNTs these days. I've been drinking. I've been drinking a couple GNTs lately. Yeah, it would always kind of be my default when I'm at a bar and I'm just ordering something. I, I usually lean that way, but yeah, you know, we'll go with the gin tonic. Uh, and normally our last question, but I've got one more for you after this one. Who is your celebrity crush? Kelly Kapowski. No, no hesitation. That was easily our quickest answer that we've had. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, our championship trophy for fantasy is also called the Kapowski. 
Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a shirt with her on it too that my wife just loves. She's like, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Right, I think you'll like ours. Ours is uh, our t- league is called the Little Lebowski Urban Achievers. Oh, nice! And then the championship trophy is called the Dudes Bowl. Oh, I love and, it. And inscribed on it, it says, "If you will it, it is no dream." Nice, <laughs> beautiful. That's yeah. me again. I don't know if there could be a more perfect line for fantasy than that. Really, I love it. I love it. Just drinking right. white Russians out of it. I hope too. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. My last question for you is: Has anyone ever told you before that you are voice twins with Deadpool? Whoa! No, I've never really heard that. Yeah. No, with Deadpool with Ryan this, Reynolds with Ryan Reynolds. Man, yeah, I was, we got we to gotta get him on the show because I think me and him could be buddies. I felt I, that well, I, like we should have a drink. I, yeah, it's the the way you speak too. There was a couple times yeah. that we had when on, on our last episode we had with you, and I was just like, that felt so much like <laughs> you know Deadpool giving me an answer right there. So, I love uh, it. I know yeah. you're gonna throw. Do you think ever tell you you look like Bob Ross? I was gonna go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm better than that. I respect yeah. the hair, and I I also love Bob Ross. So I you know there would be absolutely no disrespect intended on that question. <laughs> no, I'll take that as a great compliment, though. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, that dude's hilarious. Well, I got that I sound like uh, the guy from Bob's Burgers yesterday, which uh, is the first time I've heard that one. But he's also Archer, so I'm, oh, I'm barely happily taking that one. Yeah. yeah, the cooler version of that is Archer for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. Phrasing? Yeah. We're not doing yeah. phrasing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great show. Yeah, yeah <laughs> great show. The, like that first episode too was just oh, man. incredible. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they grade sand, but if they do. Of course. <laughs> oh, man. So good. Oh, I love it. Archer's a I gotta classic. rewatch that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the first yeah. couple of uh, the first couple seasons were just absolutely gut splitting. Oh, All right. Let's get into some hockey because uh, we now know that the Canucks will pick ninth in the draft, which you know I think probably comes to a relief to a lot of people in this uh, room. We'll call it. Uh, you know, of course, we're used to dropping back at least a pick, if not two. I guess, uh, you know, the new lotto system of only having two lottery picks, not three, probably helped us out a little bit there. Um, and it seems like there is kind of, a, you know, a second tier that goes to about nine. Um, so, you know, we're in a fortunate position that we're going to, you know, get a player that we're probably going to be pretty happy with. So, uh, you know, I guess, Cam, you know, what would you say, you know, I, of course, you know, Jim Benning gets picked nine and he goes, ah, well, it's funny. I, I, I like nine players in the draft. And of course, you know, I don't think you have to be too, uh, you know, skeptical to go. Well, that seems pretty convenient. Uh, so first question for you would be, do you think that the draft really does have a second tier to nine or boy, is that a, you know, con- convenient uh, answer for, for Jim Benning? this year it's probably not too far fetched if if they like nine guys i'm going to go ahead and guess that they don't like Jesper Wallstead in that range and then and then that makes nine and and i think that that's pretty fair um you know everybody expected them to fall back two spots or something too hey just with their luck but this year the when you get closer to 10 the odds of you slipping it gets lower so this year it was pretty cool that they stayed there but yeah they tried to screw it up by winning too many games on the stretch um, now they're going to get the you know the best of the rest in that second tier is whoever's sitting there unless they go bananas and and either trade back which would be cool or uh, or go off the board they will get a player in that second tier and he's going to immediately be their top prospect um, so th- they're going to have a option 
Um, and Wallstead and see if Ian Clark can, can get in there and start massaging some smooth brain stuff and, and see if they want to go a goalie in the top 10. But uh, I, I imagine it's going to be whoever is left from the skaters from that top nine. Well, and I, I think I should tell you, because of course I was hard on both you and Tony last time when, uh, and I'm blanking on his Askarov was, uh, you had him ranked so highly, but I've started to come around to this goalie thing a little bit more. And again, of course, not for us. Uh, but my kind of, I think I've explained my fandom is I love the Canucks and then every other team is just a degree to which I hate them. And I don't hate the Detroit Red Wings. So I kind of like Wallstead at six uh, to Detroit. What do you think of that pick? Well, that's why I put on my mock draft to him and uh, sending them. I, I gave them, I may have gave them Askarov last year before they ended up being four, just to just to mess with Prash though too, because he just gets so mad every time I say a goalie's <laughs> going to Detroit. He just thinks only goalies in the mid to late rounds, and so it's almost like a personal attack whenever I do it, and I like that. Um, but no, I you know would have made a lot of sense to them last year. Um, they got Raymond. which is you know you're not going to argue with that. So so that's this year again. You know they're looking at. They have their their cupboard is getting stocked pretty well, except in net. And and so yes, from Volstad, he would he's you know I said last year that Askarov was the best goalie I've ever scouted. Um, Volstad is like right there with him. He might have fewer holes in his game to be to fix. I'd say Askarov is more athletically gifted, and that's going to serve him really well for the first you know five six seven years of his career. And then he's going to have to fall back into that technical stuff. And so I'd say Volstad, you know, he's. He's close to as good athletically, but he's just got a little better technique. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in that top six. I also, if I'm betting on it, I would probably say he's going to be there at like 11 because that's just what happens with goalies these days. And how long do you think it, you know, he becomes, uh, you know, from now until he becomes a, you know, regular NHL player, maybe not necessarily a starter, uh, but, you know, again, a, a 1B kind of situation maybe. It depends on where he goes, right? That's going to play like the biggest role in this is where the pipeline, what's in front of him, who's in front of him. You know, we could have said the same thing about Spencer Knight, though, too, going whatever top 15 a couple years ago, and then they signed Bob for 100 years. It's like, oh, well, shit, he's going to be a four or five year wait, and he might be starting next year. So um, lots of things change. Uh, he's a kid, Volstead, who's been putting up great numbers in the SHL this year as an 18 year old. Yeah, he's an 02, so he's a bit older for this class, but two years you know he could be in the nhl he could probably play on a shitty team like if buffalo took him at one he could probably be there playing minutes next year um but you know realistically you're going to bring him along because you want him to be your guy long term so you, you give him a couple years because that's normally the knock on a goalie and, and picking one so early is that they're going to take years normally to develop and actually start contributing to your team so that's a you know that's where my you know <laughs> the spencer knight performances too that made me go Holy shit! Like you know, if you can have a, a goalie perform like that on an ELC, you know that's a that's a game changer. Yeah, for sure, right? And and we're starting to see that with with kids in every position too. Is that they're so refined, their skills are set up to be these pros early on. It's not for some of them. It can be a big a big level jump, but a lot of them are their game is geared towards getting to the NHL quickly. And and same with the net, especially these big technically sound goalies who have a lot of experience either internationally or playing. You know, playing the SHL like that that's damn near NHL level hockey, right? Like, and he's doing that as a teenager. It's your, your transition's going to be easier as you come up in that position. So I think we're going to see that more and more is that goalie stepping in on ELCs, you know, more players stepping in at 19, you know, not necessarily 18, but night, the second year players draft plus one after that season coming into the NHL and making impacts. And, and that's what you need for your team to thrive too, right? We know that the getting value out of your young players and then surrounding them with those vets is you get yourself a two year window and then it kind of closes when you got to pay them the big bucks. 
So I don't know if we want to start maybe at the the top of the draft. Of course, Buffalo has the first pick. Uh, I think, you know, most people expect it to be Owen Power. But I think, of course, this is maybe the first year that I can remember that there really has not been any kind of true consensus as who the, you know, first overall pick is or, or you know, I, I, you know, of course, even though like the Tyler versus Taylor, you know, debates, it was still, you know, kind of a two guys at the top of the class. Um, you know, where do you think uh, Owen Power goes ultimately? Do you think he does go at one or do you think maybe he drops a couple of points? Yeah, he probably goes at one. It's it's the easy pick, easier-ish pick. Um, I put I gave him Matty Beniers, though, when I did the mock draft for, for ringside there. Um, I just think with with Eichel very likely leaving, with Sam Reinhart very likely leaving, uh, their center depth is getting quickly poached hard here. So, um, you know, Casey Middlestad is not the answer. Um, you know, Dylan Cousins, I like him on the wing better than I like him in the middle. So getting a kid like Matty Beniers and that you can lock down into the middle – He's not going to be Jack Eichel. You know, he's going to be more Dylan Larkin, that speedy two-way guy that can play all situations at on a really good team. You want him to be your second line center, not your top guy. But, you know, this is Buffalo. So, um, but I expect they'll probably go own power in that spot. It just, it, it's not a perfect fit because they've got Darlene there already and they're going to be playing the same side of the ice and there's only so many power play minutes to go around. So I, I guess, you know, there's your, there's your locked up top four on the left side, but, you know, they're, one of them is going to be sitting on PP2 and that's going to impact their value. But you, you take the best player. So if, if it's power on your list, you go up and you take them and you deal with shit as it moves along. You know, it's one of those ones where I could almost kind of see the first overall pick moving this year, part partly because of that reason. And I could see them moving down a couple picks. Uh, you know, of course, you know, I, I don't know if we've ever really seen a, a first overall pick, certainly not in the modern era move. Um, but I think this may be one of those ones, because as you said, it's, it's just not a good fit uh you know for for what they need mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to think about the last time a first overall moved and was it 99 right the twins was just yeah. last one yeah uh, 99 yeah. yeah and it moved a couple times there mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Rookie working his magic thankfully yeah. so then of course <laughs> brings us brings us to seattle uh and again of course i think they probably are really hoping that maddie Beniers is sitting there for them because i think you know you kind of want to ideally draft your you know a potential top six center uh, as a you know new franchise starting off um assuming you know assuming power goes one do you expect uh seattle to pick up veneers i have no idea right <laughs> like we have no idea and and i know that this has kind of fallen into this mindset that it is a, it's kind of power and and veneers in that top little tier you know that one two and i honestly don't really see it exactly like that i think that there's six guys in, in that zone that could go one through six there and that I wouldn't really blink an eye. Um, I have zero insight into what Seattle is thinking there, or, you know, we have no idea what their team needs are in any sort of capacity, but yeah, Veneers would make a lot of sense for them. Um, just as again, just that speedy two way pivot. I, I gave Buffalo Veneers and then, you know, Seattle walks up and happily takes Owen power. And I'm sure they would love just if I'm starting a team, so thinking from my own mindset is that I would love to get that kind of franchise defenseman or cornerstone top pairing guy that can eat up minutes rather than maybe, you know, a speedy center who's not overly big, um, doesn't project to be like a, a star goal scorer or put up a ton of points. So you want to sell tickets, but if you can't sell tickets with pop and power, like power, but you, you want to sell it, you know, you want to have a guy back there who's going to hopefully chew up 25, 26 minutes a night for you. So I'm sure they're hoping that Owen power sitting there. And if he's not like, I don't know. Do they look at Simone Edvinson? 
I know a lot of scouts are really high on him just on the upside. And he's another six foot four kid who can skate like the wind. Um, he's not going to be Owen power. And I don't think he's going to be someone who's chewing up 25, 26 minutes a night, not on a good team anyways. Um, but maybe they look at him. Maybe, maybe that's, you know, the, the consolation prize. If they miss out on power, then they wanted him. Do they go deep? Do you think Brent Clark's a possibility there? Cause of course that would be torturous to me. So now I'm expecting that to happen. Yeah, well, obviously they're out to personally affect you and your livelihood right. in life here, right? Yeah. Like, how much yeah. joy can you take from him? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously we all know I like Brant Clark a ton. Um, so I don't have any sort of, I don't have any fingers in the pies in the Seattle organization yet. So I can't just be hitting up the Rolodex and texting them and try to see if I can pull any of that information. But yes, I think Brant Clark would be a, a really smart pick in that in that range there too if they want to get a player who doesn't fit the mold of like, here's going to be your number one defenseman, but he's just so smart. Like he's for my money, the smartest player in the draft, let alone defender. Um, if he can improve on his overall skating posture, both forwards and backwards and add a little more zip to his acceleration, like the sky's the limit for him. Like he could legitimately be a top pairing offensive guy who's getting that PP minutes. He can work the penalty kill. Like he's a smart two a player. He's going to have some adjustments to make as he moves up for the style that he plays defensively. Um, with you know some of these big fast forwards bearing down on him but I think that to be a good defenseman and to defend well you need to be smart and you need to work hard and you know I've had a chance to to talk with him a little bit and just watching all of his games is that uh, you know he definitely has the smarts checked and I think he's a hard worker too so I don't really have too much concern about him away from the puck defensively too so yeah I think that that'd be an awesome pick I he's the guy that I think is going to slip a little bit though um even though he's on the right side we'll see we'll see but he's, he's gonna slip to eight isn't it <laughs> who's, who's, who's picking eight is it la because LA, LA. yeah. la's got a great scouting department they just crushed it last year and last couple years of the draft they've been killing it so yes that that's exactly what will happen that's they'll exactly go, what's they'll go happen, eh? yeah and they and it they is. need a d i think they need a d on the right side too so that would make some sense yeah. yeah, it's crushing that LA picks right before us for that exact reason because they've just been just so dominant at the drafts for a couple years now. Well, <laughs> I hope I hope you Canucks fans really enjoyed those last three points <clears throat> in those last two games that we got there to to move us up four points in the standings. That's that's really meaningful stuff, guys. Right? Just yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what about um, Luke Hughes? Because like I don't think many people expect him to fall past new jersey but do you think he should go that high regardless of his connection with jack uh, it's i've gone i've gone back and forth with luke hughes over the last you know 16 18 months um early on i was like you know this kid watching him as a u17 and then coming up and playing for the program and i'm like the way he skates you know he had the growth spurt and he was still adapting to that but just the way that he his the fluidity in his stride and being so young for this crop is I really I know that there's some scouts out there and some some outlets that don't put a ton of stock into the into the birth date of a player but for me like if a kid's born in August or September of 03 versus November of 02 like I don't know how you can't look at that and be like that's massive um you know yeah. we it's been a while for me anyways but you guys probably remember being 17 and and like the physical maturity that you can develop over a year especially when you're if you're living in the weight room and, and the things that you've learned mentally and physically and, and everything emotionally and socially like it's it's massive um so i do put a, a good amount of stock into players like that especially if they're not already 6'3 and 220 it's like well shit he's not gonna get any bigger than this or stronger than this but um <laughs> so so for hughes i i see that upside i see that potential um the skating he's not quinn and he's not jack he's not that shifty electric 
um, you know, can't touch him in a phone booth. He's that get up and go and transition the puck really well with his feet through the neutral zone. Like he's going to burn teams through the neutral zone, being that either the puck carrier or coming in as the fourth man high. Um, he's got a little bit of Philip Broberg syndrome, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. When he rushes the puck, he doesn't always have a plan. He's trying to problem solve. And he ends up, you know, he can skate himself into trouble, skate himself into the corner, run into nowheresville and, and make a low danger pass or, or try for a high danger pass and turns into a, a giveaway. But <clears throat> I also, you know, there's some stuff about off ice things that, you know, I don't love that I've heard about him too. But again, you know, he's a younger kid. Maybe it's just the product of being a white, rich teenager in hockey. And you are, you know, lots of these kids are super entitled. And, uh, and it's something that they need to grow out of. And, you know, we, we do often see this uh, and, and they do grow out of it. And so <clears throat> strictly speaking on ice, um, you know, the injury is a concern tearing those tendons off his foot and ankle. Like that is not an injury that you come back from easily, especially when the, the, the linchpin of your game is skating. Um, so hopefully, that, you know, he can come back from that. But, you know, the last I heard he was in a boot for, I think it was three months. And so that's a pretty long-term injury. Um, again, you know, something that you should be able to come back from. Not a great fit for Vancouver outside of the bloodlines though. Uh, on the left side, like I, at this point where Jack Rathbone has come in his development, like I would put them, I would stack them up side to side and be like, you know, tell me which one's going to be better in eight years, six years, whatever. And, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know who would be better. So if you want to slide a third left side defenseman, like one of those guys is only going to be seeing third pairing minutes um, and no power play time. And it just doesn't, doesn't seem like a good fit for the organization right now. At the same time, the prospect pool is pretty barren. So if it's nine and it's Luke Hughes, yeah, go ahead. He's the last guy of that, of that grouping, go ahead and take them and, and work everything out as it comes to you. But yeah, I, I think New Jersey will take a long look at him because, right, why not link it up? And, and they have needs all over the place too. But if they do, I think they're probably leaving some talent and upside on the table. So I had an interesting kind of dis debate or discussion about best player available uh, and how glued to that people are. I don't know. Like, I'm assuming you're a best player available guy as well. Uh if the best player available happened to be somebody like a Jesper Wallstead or somebody like a Luke Hughes, where you are lined up in that position already, so it's not a positional need for the foreseeable future, do you stick to best player available or do you say, okay, maybe not this guy, maybe somebody that we view a little bit lesser, but fits a little better positionally for us? The only way I would look at that is if if that other player that I maybe have lower on my list possesses a, a one standout quality. So it's like, okay, we've got Luke Hughes at nine and we've got Dylan Gunther at 10. Okay. Yeah. We like Luke Hughes better overall as, as a player, but Gunther's the best shooter in the class. So if we can add that element that we're, you know, an exciting goal scoring element, something that's hard to obtain um, then yeah, maybe, maybe you look at that cause it's a better fit for the organization. I think, if that were happened to be the case, which it probably won't be this year because where they're picking, if they're picking seven, maybe. Um, the other thing you do is that if it, if it comes to nine and it's a guy that doesn't fit your organization all that well, and it's kind of in a tier or you or your next set of tier of players is five or six deep and they're not that far behind, see if you can slide back, right? Yeah. How much, how much is it worth to a team to slide up and get a Luke Hughes? Are they keen to give you their you know 35th pick? And maybe a one in the top, another in the top 100. 
we're going to get a 22 pick, you know, which is going to be a deep class as well. Like I, that's the type of stuff I'm interested in doing. Um, you know, I'd love to get Beecher a few more darts to throw out the board. So, so if, if, if that was a, a possibility, this team's never slid back and they've had some like insane opportunities to slide back and get crazy value and they passed on it. I'd be surprised if they do it this year, but it is a different class. It's kind of an odd class and where they're picking. So it, it, I guess it's within the realm of possibility. Well, in that middle tier in the first round seems to be quite attractive too. Like I would love to get another dart in there, like the 22, uh, 35 range. Like th- there seems to be a lot of kind of gems that are due to slide. Canucks picking at 41 in the second round. I know we're not looking at kind of the sexier names or probably names that most people have heard of, but, is there somebody that's really stuck out for you? I, I have a guy in my mind, but I'd love to hear if there's somebody that you think should be there at 41 that would be like a no-brainer move for them. Yeah, the question is who who that I expect to be there at 41, you know, is that this year is going to be so wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that like, I think, I think it's fair that we could probably call, I don't know, 16, 16 names and be like, these guys are going to go in the top 30. Um, maybe 18 names and then after that it's going to be it's going to be Just wild wild on team preference like and we're going to hear it it's going to be hilarious right we hear it every year the guys are saying like fuck i can't believe he was there we got our guys <laughs> one two three every year we hear that too but but this year it's going to be like that like i can just imagine the gms in the green room afterwards just being like you took that guy in the top 50 like we had him as a dnd like no way and i'm like you guys are crazy <laughs> like we didn't even watch him play this year um so who's gonna be there at 41 like i have no idea i'll pull up my board here and some guys that i like a lot more than consensus lists and even that i have to hammer the table on at ep too is you know i like i really like a high school defenseman who moved up to the ushl jack pert um really really great defensive habits kind of that modern day defender offensive game that's burgeoning he won the mr hockey award for the the top minnesota hockey player and and then stepped up and he was playing for Fargo in the USHL and they went on a deep run and he immediately went from high school hockey into the USHL and was playing 25 minutes was playing over Scott Morrow. Um, he's, he's a player that I've, I've really identified as someone I like a lot. Um, you know, who's going to be there that I really like. Uh, like a well, he's just said another interesting name to me. Cause of course, when we had Tony on last, Morrow, he brought up yeah. Scott Morrow. Yeah. And of course, you know, he had us watch that little video of the interview he did with him. Highly impressive kid. So, sorry, do, do you are you maybe not as high on him? Yeah, that's right. I'm not. I'm not that high on him. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, wish, I wish Tony was here for it because because that would have been fun for us to go head to head on it. Um, I know. Yeah, not a not a great not a great decision maker, um, which I don't love uh, in my defenseman or someone who can defend the rush all that well. Um, he's aggressive to a fault. I would say even at like the high school level, he was. Um, another kid who just like stayed in high school hockey forever. He played at Shattuck for, for like, I don't know, like five years or something like that. Like it was needless amounts of time to play there. Um, and I, and I think he had opportunities to not only move up to the USHL, but like, I think he could have even gone to Nodak early um, with the whole Mitchell Miller thing that when, once his spot was taken away, when they, when they got rid of him, kicked him out of the school, I think that there was an opportunity for him to just like jump and play college right now. And he was like, and yeah, it's a pandemic and it's cool. You maybe you don't want to take big risks at this time. And, and I won't judge anyone too harshly, but I don't love a kid who stays playing as a, as a, you know, big fish in a small pond as an O2 playing high school hockey and just dominating it year after year. It's like, where's, where's the motivation here to, to improve and to, and to prove that you were capable of stepping up. So I don't love that. Um, and just, Honestly, I, I think he's kind of meh 
overall. Um, I think he's fine. He'll go in the top 50 um, and a team will have a project on their hands. Another player that I haven't heard a ton of great stuff about off the ice, um, which seems to be a common theme this year. So uh, I was talking to a scout and he was just shaking his head. He's like, I heard about two more before I had breakfast this morning. Like, it seems like this class is either people are just spreading <laughs> rumors and innuendo or, you know, it's like the game of telephone, right? You hear one guy shitty and it's like, oh, this guy's shitty. He's like, why? Oh, I don't know. I heard it from this guy. And so um, <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't have any personal details, but I like to just look at it on the ice and, and then I take in context. And so that context of, of staying home and not, and not really pushing himself, you know, he played, he ended up playing for Fargo and then played second fiddle to Jack Pert there for them. Um, in the playoffs when he came up and granted he, he you know he, he entered just for the playoffs but didn't put up any points um for an offensive defenseman who went on a decent playoff run um you know they played the steel but uh yeah i'm not i'm not huge on him i wouldn't i wouldn't be thrilled if he was their guy at 41. Um, you know and i and i know i didn't jump in before but and, and i kind of because i was with you on your second answer there is uh you know you, you take best player available but sometimes you know especially if it's like a clear lack of a need like a top pairing left-handed defenseman or like a goalie for us I would look at you know how much you know is in between you know if even if we say that we like this guy better how much is that gap and ultimately if it's not that much of a gap I'm going to go with the positional need there um, but of course this goes back to we really could use a right-handed defenseman <laughs> and yeah. of course especially at the top of the draft there's literally only the one and I think that's probably and you know that's that's in my heart why I don't expect him to drop at all. And in fact, I think, you know, probably may go earlier than we expect, kind of like, uh, you know, Mort Sider a couple of years ago. Um, just because, you know, teams really want that, you know, top right-handed defenseman. And, and you know, again, of course, obviously I have not seen him play. I was <laughs> going, oh, sweet, Tony, uh, this this sounds fantastic. Uh, this is exactly <laughs> what I want to hear, please. And this, this is a time when, you know, that two-week period that Edler may have been willing to waive his no-trade clause, too. So we maybe got an extra late first-round pick. It was, a, it was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time. Uh, but, uh, it's <laughs> over now. Times, yeah. It's over now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm with you. It is it, This class is shy on righties. You know, I think Corson Kuhlemans is probably going to go earlier than I certainly would be selecting him. But he's another right-shot kid who's ultra-aggressive offensively. So, you know, if he goes top 15, that wouldn't surprise me. I'd be having a hard time taking them top 50. Um, so, but there's a big discrepancy on how uh, I see him and some of the other guys at EP see him versus some of these consensus lists. And, you know, Bobby Max list where he goes to the scouts, like if you want to do a mock draft, like look pretty close to his list because nine times out of 10, he's, he's pulling like 28 of 31 first rounders and, you know, in fairly close order to where they're going to go. So I think he had Kuhlman's going 15 or 16 or something like that on his last um, right up there. So, I won't be surprised when he goes early. I don't know if he had Morrow in the first round, but uh, but Morrow's kind of like a poor man's Kulins, anyways. Yeah, it seems like he's you know in that thirty to thirty-two to forty range, and anything that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, but of course I've uh, I've kept a keen eye on him since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not too hot on Kulins either. So uh, hearing that he's a poor man's version of Kulins has completely cooled my interest in <laughs> Scott Morrow. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to just like douse a bunch of cold water on a bunch of you guys. It's like hype for any of these players and just, and hopefully they don't watch this because hopefully it's not, there's nothing personal, but, uh, but you know, we joke around uh, on our Slack group for EP there is that, you know, we could stop this list at eight and I'd be fine. It's like, just fuck the rest of them. Like, the rest of them. Like, you know? like I only like maybe eight guys in this class. It's so weird. It's such a weird year. Yeah. 
That's why, do, why do you think yeah. it is such a weird year? Because, like, you know, of course, normally there are, you know, with, you know, hockey's a global game now. There's normally at least some prodigy kid that, you know, comes out of nowhere. And it just seems like it's, it's you know, pandemic doesn't truly explain it to me, even though, of course, you know, because, you know, it's not like coming into this year, people are expecting a great team or, sorry, a great draft class, and and then they just disappointed and then, of course, you know, all those attitude things, I also can't just help but notice, like, you know, you know, hey, hey kids, you know, you know, you need to have a good attitude if you're really going to get to that top level. But it just, it just seems odd that it's, you know, a coincidence that, you know, there's several red flag players out there and also no high in talent. Or am I just reading too much into something? No, it's, you know, there's, it's ebbs and flows. And it's just, this is one of those years where there's, this is, this is 2006, right? Like, this is when, when Jack Johnson, or not Jack Johnson, when, um, Eric Johnson went, went tops and went back to school, you know, St. Louis took him first. He went back to school. He blew out his knee on that. Uh, I think it was a golf cart and was having him piss with the boys and, and tore his knee. Um, it's it's going to be one of those years where we might not even have a player step right into the league. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be some stars, you know? And, and I said that in one of my write-ups is that, are there going to be good players coming this this class? Absolutely. There's probably going to be a few stars. Is there a superstar hidden in there? Maybe, maybe there's one hidden in there. Um, that's it's going to come out of nowhere or come from you know down lower in the first or early second you're like oh shit you know Sebastian Ajo right he went in the second uh, whenever that was 2014 2015 um, so there's there's potential for these kids and there are some guys that I like that have that high upside but it's just you got to get past the warts and they got to find a way to to kind of beat the odds on their developmental the arc that it's taking right now and and guys can do that and so the scouting staffs that have really invested into that group, the, the organizations that have invested into their scouting staffs and the ones that were able to transition into video scouting more seamlessly than others. I think they're going to have an upper hand. It doesn't mean they're going to find those guys, but they're going to have an upper hand too. Right. So um, I, I tweeted the other day talking about how Tampa, you know, got Kucherov at 50, whatever, and, uh, and point at 79. And that's why you invest in your scouting staff, you know, Reese <laughs> Jessop who uh, that's offside. Like we get, you know, you work for the Panthers for four or five years there as a scout and he knows what he's doing. He's like, nah, 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 no credit for Tampa. They took point 79, right? They could have taken him in the first. And so it's true. Like you got to get lucky too, right? But you still mm-hmm. have to have, you still have to have the balls to make those picks, even if it's in the third round or the second round, you know, Kucherov with the height of the Russian fear, taking a guy at 59 when if it was right now, he'd be going top three, like every year. So oh, um, easy, they don't, yeah. yeah. Right. So you don't get, they, they can't get that much credit for it, but I, I do think that the staff said invest well, and are looking for the right attributes and they're, you know, they're everywhere and they're scouring and they're listening to people and they're open-minded. Those are the organizations. And we've been seeing that happening more and more, right? The Carolinas, the LAs, these teams that are building these deep pipelines, Colorado, even recently too, it's that they have very forward thinking organizations. They have a healthy dose of analytics built into their pro scouting, their amateur scouting, their player development. Um, there's no cap for these things. Like why not spend the max? Like don't be Buffalo. And like granted Buffalo is all video scouting right now, which is, you know, I, I should be cool with that as a video scout, but um, you, you need more. You just need to just pump as much, invest as much into it as you can. And this year, especially the teams that have done that, I think are going to have a, a much bigger advantage, uh, you know, picking in the second, third, fourth, fifth round um, because they're going to know some players that these guys haven't watched. I think there's also some credit to knowing when to pick a player, you know, as fantasy uh, playoff gurus, you know, you need to know, you know, when other guys or when other teams are expecting and, and, you know, planning on taking other players too. So, Hey, you know, if I, I suspect point may not go until the third, 
There's some other guys that I think may go, you know, ahead of them. So, you know, again, to me, you still get full credit. Uh, you know, you know, if you take the guy in the third, you know, it's it's ga- gaming the system, having a good pulse on everyone else's draft board. And if that's the way you're doing it too, and like I think that that is a like a viable situation that can play out, is that you're like, you know, if you have a lay of the land, it's obviously the risk goes way up that you're going to lose your guy. You're like, is this the pick we take him, or do we go back? But you know, we talked about him earlier, Pavel Burin the sixth. They waited. They could have done. They could have done that in the second and been like, "Shit!" Like, so does some other team know this too? And like, let's just get them. Let's just get them right now and not waste them. They're like, "Oh, we'll just make all our picks and then we'll fucking take them and, and see what happens." Right? <laughs> and you know, so like, did Tampa Bay know that? Because again, Braden Point should have gone in the first round. He was on my oh, first round board. Yeah. He was on like lots of people's first round boards. But it's like everybody said it too. Like in the write ups, it's like kids five foot nine, gritty, scoring upside. Not a great skater, but like a fine skater. But he's five foot nine. It's like he's gonna go in the third. He shouldn't, but he's going to go in the third. And so they obviously knew that too. So, you know, did they just take like a huge risk and then it paid off greatly? Or did they just be like, all right, fine. Now we'll take a chance on the five foot nine kid in the third. So either way they got him. So I give him credit. Certainly at least partial credit. Not, yeah. not, I, you know, I don't think, uh, well, if you, you knew he was that good, you should have taken him in the first as a, you know, mic drop response. Right. Yeah. Cause then <laughs> yeah. I think about like what it's like every player I take in the first and be like, yeah, well he probably would have gone in the third if I didn't take him. So how much extra yeah. credit do I get now? It's like, well, no, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can end up with two guys that you would rank in the first round or <laughs> yeah. You exactly. Just the one that's your yeah. pick. Yeah. I mean, I'll be a good pick, but you lose that other guy. I'm with you. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see. I know like uh, I would, so I just made my second pick. I'm I'm doing a mock draft right now. I'm nice. <laughs> multitasking. <laughs> multitasking at, at its finest. Um, I was very surprised to have Zachary Bolduke slide all the way to me. Um, 41st pick? Yeah. So I just, I took him because that's a hell of a slide. So I had, I didn't have him as my pick there, but him sliding to me, I will absolutely take that. <laughs> So who yeah. are some other second round targets you like for the Canucks? Um, I like a kid, Isaac Rosen, um, you know, a, a skill guy playing in Sweden, lots of upside there. I think he, there's a decent chance he's around because he's not big. He's got a real stackable skill set. I'd say really great skater and handles the puck extremely well. Great rush patterns. Um, you know, a little bit of a periphery player, um, He's, he's, he doesn't win a lot of puck battles, but again, he, you know, he, he's playing in the SHL and he was winning some puck battles. And so I think that that's a decent sign. Um, he's someone that I really like. Uh, you know, I think a kid like Mackie Samoskevich, everybody was given a lot of love to Matt Coronado this year. And, you know, rightly so. He scored a bushel of goals for the Chicago Steel. But for my money, Samoskevich was the better player. And well, maybe not the better player, but he has the better tool set to, to be an NHLer. Um, so the I, hell I of a name. Right, Mackie Samoskevich. Like, there's no yeah. messing around there, right? Whole name team right away. I can't <laughs> right? wait for Don Taylor to read out a highlight. Right? You know we got. A, you know we got a Bobby Orr coming in this draft too. Hey, you I, about I, him? I, Robert yes, Orr. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Orr is 2.0. I, I work with a guy who he's like a math teacher, and his name's Robert Orr, and I just I'm so pumped for him all the time. He's not a hockey fan at all. But, uh, <laughs> but his parents named him after Bobby Orr. I'm like, you're killing your dad. Like, oh. um, I, I had like a friend. 
I, okay. Sorry, I had a friend, Robert Lang, and oh, uh, yeah, we, nice. we were able to take advantage nice. of that a couple times in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice, Robert Lang, nice. Um, you know, I like Stanky. I like Logan Stankhoven. I think a kid who, like, who a lot of people like, um, they like him in the first round, and I like him in the tail end of the first round too, but he probably doesn't go there because he's five foot eight, and that's just not changing. Um, and he's not an, an electric skater, so you just dub Braden Point's name over top of his. He's not as gritty as Point. He's not going to be Braden Point, but uh, but he's a player. He's going to be a player, I think, if he He's going to be an NHLer, and he's you know a kid who plays in the West, and, and he's got a lot of upside there to be a scorer. Um, so so Stan uh, Stan I think is a good player. Um, Simone Robertson, who I think Scouch and I uh, are the only guys that really love this kid, and I don't I don't get why other people don't. So I was hammering the table at EP Ringside all year, and I was just getting like overwhelmed with anti support for him. Um, so he ends up he ends up in our first round, but like I have guys that don't like him in the top fifty. And, and, you know, Will and I, we think like this guy's a top 15 player. Like he's, he played in the SHL, he played limited minutes, but he's just, he just screams middle six winger to me. Um, he's going to be someone who he has great, great rush patterns, really nice hands. He can shoot it, but his, his playmaking skills on the wall and, and, and through the neutral zone and stuff are high end for his age. So Simone Robertson is a kid. I really got my eye. And if he slips to the second round, I think that'd be a hell of a pick. You know, Vancouver has great ties in Sweden too. So they're, they're going to be well-established with him. He's, he's not one of these guys. Like if you were swinging for the fences and you wanted to find that superstar in round two, he's not your guy. Um, but he's someone who I just think has a really high floor. Who's going to be an NHL player and can contribute. Maybe he's a second liner, right? Like, but if he's not, I still think he's going to be a guy who can contribute on your third line. Um, I'll throw one more name at you too. Vili Koivinen, who another player that uh, a lot of people are kind of, up and down on some some guys like him um you know I, I used to have a friend who's a finnish scout who's too cool now to talk to me but i know he didn't love him at the time <laughs> and uh and then you know I, I know some other finnish guys who who think he, he you know he's he's right up there with with ratu as as maybe the best finnish prospect in this draft so he's a player with that you'd be swinging big on that you'd be swinging that sebastian aho you know home run swing to see if he could turn into a real player for you and be a first liner or you know or you're not giving him a contract in a couple of years so it's it's one of those guys when was the last time we saw, you know, coming into a year, a guy ranked number one and fall all the way to, you know, 20, like Ratu has? I mean, Lodgegren? Yeah, Timmy Lodgegren, yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. not a bad call. He was he was a consensus top five guy that slid. Um, Chikram? Chikram, yeah, yeah, another one who was really ranked highly there. Yeah, he was just like a man at 15. I don't know if you... Oh. Coming out of like Florida too, right? He he played his hockey there, and like he literally like had bigger guns than I did at, at fourteen or fifteen. Like the dude was jacked. Um, and then another one like Esposito going back, Anthony Esposito, you know, yes. ten years ago, he was highly, <laughs> highly, uh, you know, rated. Um, but yeah, this year with Ratu, it's it was just you know he had a really good sixteen year old season, but it was just kind of like who do we put at the top? this this far ahead and you know, the kid was a shooter and he was just shooting the lights out of the u20 level um so he did have that upside but in his his development is just really stagnated and, and you don't want to see that from players it doesn't mean that it can't take off again but it's not it's not great um it's it's not the it's not what you want to see you want to see it's not going to be linear but you want to see it at least trending up on a general pattern when we're looking at it on a macro lens there so um yeah ratu he's an interesting player he's i know that some people you know on connect twitter have sent that to me like oh what about ratu at nine and uh you know for me that's that, that'd be a big no-no if they like him that much then slide back to like 17 and take him you know because I, I think he's going to be sitting around there still yeah fair I, of course, I'm looking at uh, to see if where Columbus is picking, but I guess they, oh, 24. 
I wonder if he slide. You know, of course, Yarmo. I wonder if he uh, has an eye on him. It, it, to me, that that was. It, I am. I'm a big Yarmo fan, uh, and of course, that to me was a, a massive, you know, red flag uh, for Paul Yarvi when uh, Dubois was picked over him. I went like, holy, holy shit! What does Yarmo know that we don't know? So, I guess actually it would have been interesting if uh, Columbus picked a little bit earlier to see, you know, if he took or or passed on him because. You know, 24, I, I don't think anyone's going to complain uh, with him as a 24th overall pick this year. No, that was that was pretty funny when when he passed on Pugliarvi. And, and you know, and then it's like, would you have even taken line A? Well, I guess so, right? You know, he went out and traded yeah. like that. Is he going to pay up, though? Is he gonna, is that going to work out? But, yeah, you know, after that, I was going to say, is it, does he even draft guys out of Finland? But, you know, I think he took a couple out of Finland last year in the middle rounds. And um, Yarmo, I got a lot of I got a lot of time for, for kick line in, so – um, yeah, if if Ratu's there at twenty four, then yeah, sure, go ahead. Like I think, where do I got him right here on my board? He's he's in my he's in my top twenty still. Um, where do I've got him? I got yeah, where's 17. the Rangers pick? Nineteen. Yeah, I don't I don't have the list in front of me here. Uh, no, no, fifteen because AZ uh, forfeit. Oh, sorry. Right. So yes, they're they're course. picking fifteen. So yeah, that'd be a fun pick for them. I I know they're. That's they where I kind of had him. Right. Yeah, I think that's pretty Rangers. decent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I gave them uh, Cole Sillinger in the in the mock draft here. Ooh, I, I like that one too. Yeah, I, I gave Philly Ratu because uh, he plays that hard nose transitional game where his his like sole focus is like I am going to go hard into the paint into the slot, and that seems just like a Philly mindset to me. So yeah. <laughs> very much yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple other guys I wanted to ask you about uh, Carson Lambos. He's another guy that we've kind of seen all over the place. Uh, you know, potential high-end offensive left-handed defenseman. Uh, what, what's your read on him? I'm, my read is that he just had a just a shit year, really. Um, if we want to just look at his draft minus one, then it's like, yeah, this kid's got chops, like legit offensive instincts, really good timing. He activates off the point well. Um, he handles. He can kind of slice through four checkers in and out. Um, he's got a good shot. He could blend it and, and curl and drag wristers. Like he's he's crafty. He, transitional passing. Like I think he could he hits through folds. But then this year. Like most of that was gone. And again, it's like, yeah, I want to cut these guys some slack. And I, I keep saying it out loud. And I think that maybe if I say it enough times, it'll actually happen. <laughs> that it's like, that'll, yeah. That it's like cut them some slack this year because it's a weird year. Same with like Chica, right? Like a really yeah. strong player in his draft minus one, a guy who I was like, yeah, this guy's a first rounder. He's going to be in that 15 to 30 range. And now I'm like, don't even draft him. He was awful this year. Um, Lambos wasn't that bad, but, but it just, it was almost night and day for what we saw, uh, from him at the WHL the year before. So, you know, I think that his skating is a concern. Um, he's, he's average at best, um, laterally, he's not very quick. Um, he, he can't separate, you know, through the first couple strides. So he's going to have a hard time, you know, you know, wheeling around the net and really giving himself a little bit of extra space to either transition it with his feet or his pass. Um, yeah, decision-making in that transition, I, I question too. So, is is how much how much is what what is real was it a 16 year old season or was it a 17 year old season or was it probably somewhere in between so if you're picking them at 25 35 40 yeah that's great you're picking them at 16 17 is that's too rich for my blood at this point interesting i yeah i'd be pretty surprised if he falls past that point to be honest just just the raw skill set yeah, yeah, I know. I know some teams that are that are they're very wary of them. I don't know if they're saying it out loud like I am because some of these guys they're they're not cutting some slack for 
you want you want risers you want risers right. not fallers eventually you will take the faller because you'll be like well you know here there's value here we used to think he was going to be a, a top 15 guy so we'll pick him here at 30 but you want risers yeah uh of course, the uh, the other goalie on the board is six six Sebastian Casa. I'm, I'm maybe butchering that pronunciation, but um, you know, again, two goalies in the first round, uh, pretty incredible. Do you think that you know, again, this really justifies it, or is it you know more speak to a, a weaker class? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I would say it's it's part and parcel of a, a bit of a weaker class, and um, you know, okay, so with Casa, he's. Like you said, he's six foot six. Uh, he's an O2 kid, so he's older for this class. But he just like playing for the Oil Kings this year. They were in the bubble and they crushed everybody. Like it was, it was silly, right? Like Gunther was scoring over a goal a game, and and, and, and you know, granted, Costa was good. Like he was quite good. I think he had like a nine fifty save percentage or something like that, um, which is silly. Uh, he was good last year too for the Oil Kings, another really good team. Um, so he, he's, he's had the benefit of playing on these stacked teams. And then this year in the bubble playing like against, you know, some weak teams. So his numbers are super inflated. I think he's, I think he's probably a first rounder. If this was five years ago, I'd put him 33. Cause that's kind of how I used to hedge my bet with goalies. Is that like, this guy <laughs> yeah, seems yeah, like he's a first round. rounder. We'll put him at 33 or 32 and that'll be perfect. The Demko uh, right, pick. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and so, and I think that's where I had Demko that year too. It's like right where he went. Um, is and that's the beginning of the goalie run. And and Filipovich and I, we always whenever we're at the draft, we stand up and find each other when the first goalie gets picked in the second round. Like, you see that? Here it comes goalie run. And you always see like five over the next fifteen picks, and because it's GMs are just waiting. They're like, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna? All right, let's go. We gotta get our goalie. Even if you could get that same one in the third round, it's like, yeah, we need him now. Um, so yeah, I, I think because of this class, he'll probably go. And and here's a fun one: is that like I know I know one team likes him in the top fifteen. And, and if I know that one team likes in the top 15, there's probably a couple more too. So, so it'd be really interesting to see if we, if Volstead goes in the top 10 and then Costa goes in the top 15. Um, yeah, I think that is, that is telling for the draft class though. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I've got some uh, Red Wings fans who are kind of hoping that Casa falls to one of their second picks or third pick, uh, you know, later in that first round. Yeah. Um, so kind of, you know, let's, let's end here with, you know, likely what's going to be the Canucks pick. I think, of course, the two names that are being discussed are Ken Johnson, who Sean, of course, just selected in his mock draft, and uh, Mason McTavish, who I would have selected in uh, the mock draft. And again, I think you're on my side on this one, but tell us a little bit more about each of those players and ultimately if, you know, the Canucks have the choice between two, which way you'd go. All right, I'll get nerdy on this too, okay? So Kent Johnson, Okay. The kid's got great hands. Like, technically, his handling skills are excellent. Like, he keeps his top hand free, pushed away from his body. There's precision. There's quickness. There's agility. He's handling off his hip pocket. I don't like these guys that are stick handling right in front of their bodies. It's really easy to defend. He doesn't do that. He problem solves with his creativity. So he's not such a planner, but when he's up there, he's solving the problems quickly and creatively. He finds unexpected solutions to the play. Um, I think he uses his environment extremely well. So, you know, who's coming, who's going. Um, the walls, the nets, you know, he, he uses these to his advantage. Um, quick reaction time to go with those hands, right? So he anticipates some things. He sees how the defense is going to react. He sees the routes of his teammates and he can hit, um, you know, he can hit passes through folds. I love the way that he sees the trailer. Um, he gets the puck back. He's got a good motor. I think he, he even attempts some physicality for a winger who's a skill guy. He'll get in there and he'll try to bang. He'll try to work the wall. Um, but, okay skating not great 
So his weight is locked. He's hunched over. He lacks explosiveness. He lacks elusiveness. Um, so the hands are crazy elusive, but the skating isn't. And so, you know, it's going to be easier to defend in the NHL when they're, they can just eliminate him. Um, so he slows the, the game, the pace of the game down more than I like. So I was actually really surprised. I loved him in the BC for trail. Like I, a great player, um, a lot of fun, you know, great for gifts. And then I didn't expect him to transition so seamlessly to the NCAA. So maybe he surprises me again and he transitions, you know, seamlessly into the NHL. But traditionally his set of skills and the way he plays on the perimeter with his skating does not scream top six point producer to me. Um, I think that because he has the great puck skills and he has a really good mind for creating offense, that there is a chance that that could come along. Can he improve his skating stride and his skating posture? Absolutely. We've seen players do it. They are more the exception than the norm. I would rather teach a player how to skate than how to think. So he's got that going for him. Absolutely. Um, you know, not a, not a great shooter, but that's okay too. Cause he's going to be more of a play waking winger. He's not a center if for anybody out there who thinks he is. Um, so at nine, again, if he's the guy who's sitting there at nine, go ahead. And that, if that's, you like nine guys and he's the guy, I think that it's cool because you're betting on upside. I know Craig button called him, you know, Elias Pedersen. He's not Elias Pedersen. Sorry, Craig. I like you. Um, and I know you're not saying he's Pedersen, but he has, he's an older kid for the crop. He's slight, he's slippery, and he has great puck skills. EP hit all those markers too. Pedersen had a lot more to his game though. Um, and then built an incredible amount over the, you know, the couple of years after his draft. So if Johnson can make those type of strides, then sure, yeah, that's a hell of a pick. Um, you know, I've compared him a little bit to Sven Berchi, uh, and that's not supposed to be an insult. I know that Berchi's <laughs> career hasn't, hasn't gone the way it should have. I still think he's an NHL player. He should have been in the NHL the last couple of years as a guy, probably on a weaker team, who's contributing from your middle six, um, who can help your second power play unit. He had incredible junior numbers, like near Crosby-like numbers in the dub when he was there, and he went top 15. Um, his numbers would have indicated that he should have gone like top three, and there's a reason he didn't. And I think that there's a reason that Kent Johnson's not going to go top three too. Uh, like his numbers would indicate, like he put up great numbers as a teenager mm -hmm. playing NCAA, right? When you're playing your draft year in the NCAA and you're putting up big numbers like him, often it's like, Ooh, this guy's going to be really good. Um, and, you know, again, there's a chance. There's a chance that he could be really good. I just think there's a greater chance that he is one of these guys that's like not good enough to be a first-line winger, you know, not gritty and defensively responsible enough to be your third-line winger. So it's like he better fit perfectly as a second-line guy on your team and complement your shoot-first center. So how many how many situations does that you know fit that perfectly? So you know, Kent Johnson, it's cool. He's 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 got the BC ties. Uh, I'm not going to be mad about him, but if it's him or Mason McTavish, you know, I, <laughs> I think the answer is pretty clear. And, and, you know, I, it's funny cause I, I, I put out that little tweet there. I haven't released my board, my last board here, but um, that I got McTavish at number two. And I was like, I got to get it out here before too many people start stealing my thunder and start putting them high up on boards. Like CSS put them as the second ranked on North American skaters. And I was like, ah, you're trying to jump me on this. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I hate to be jumped. So, so, you know, McTavish for me, like, not only is the dude like look like he's gonna hit you hard and then like you know take your mom out for a date like the dude looks mean right <laughs> he plays mean too like he he plays mean and i mean like offensively he plays mean like he will go and he will finish a check he'll pop out into the slot and he will burn you with like a hard hard one-timer his release is deadly he I, i've said this on like every podcast and radio show i've been on last month is though i think his greatest attribute is knowing the limitations of his game he doesn't think he's gonna go and dangle through the whole team and explode into holes 
he knows how his game works. And that's a heavy north south game with a great release. And, and he does have hands. Like he was walking guys all over the place at the U18s when he's playing against his mm-hmm. peer level. But like going over playing overseas against pros, he was walking guys over there with his hands too and getting himself into position. What I love is I'm, I'm writing a deep dive on McTavish. Um, it'll be out this month. I've got like two dozen clips of him just like hammering men in the pro league over there as a 17 year old. And it's like that alone just like shows the confidence that you're going to get in there and you're going to go separate the guy from the puck. So I think he's a second line center. I don't think he's a top line guy. So, you know, maybe Ken Johnson's a top line guy and that's why you want to swing on it. But I, I think he's a second line guy who's going to impact the game in a lot of ways that teams are going to hate to play against. Um, you know, I put him going to CBJ in the mock draft there, picking at five or whatever they're picking at um, because, you know, he's got a lot of the similar traits as PLD. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, obviously Columbus will hope that the, the relationship will go a little longer, but he's that big, heavy center who has really seen his stock elevate through his draft year. I think if the OHL was running this year, that his, his stock would have been up there much earlier and it would have held strong because he had a really strong draft minus one season two, and people took note of it. But then this whole year has just been so weird that he got lost in the shuffle until the U 18s when he was clearly the best player for Canada at that event in my money. Um, just for an all-around player, uh, you know, leading and hitting and shooting and scoring and, and setting up guys and defensively getting back hard is that he he has everything. And I think for for forwards, he has the easy, the most skills that will be easily translated into the NHL and probably in a hurry too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard Mason McTavish. You know, I love Brant Clark. I think he's a, a really great fit for Vancouver. So I'm kind of happy they're not picking five or six or something like that. And they actually have to decide. And if I was right. like that, yeah. that, that would be difficult for <laughs> yeah. me. I'd probably have to lean Clark in that, even though he's, I've got just Clark positionally, behind him, right. Just positionally in that sense, because they're going to be in the same tier for me is that you would have a hard time passing on the right shot kid in that spot for the big power center, because they're both areas that nobody wants to pay for in free agency. No one's going to trade you um it's it's they're they're difficult positions to acquire so for me over a winger like johnson um it's a no-brainer but it's not going to be their decision it's going to be who's sitting there yeah i i kind of had one question i guess with johnson because of course playing uh shotgun with maddie beneers on a very very strong michigan team like a, a michigan team that could see three of their prospects picked very easily in the top 10 how much of that like how much of that could be attributed to playing with a skilled guy like veneers uh for those point totals is is that one of the things that could be a hesitation for for scouts i mean it was a unique situation for all three of those guys is that normally when you step in as a 17 year old or 18 because they're oh two kids um, as an 18 year old and early 18 is that you're not getting like top end minutes, right? You're not seeing top power play minutes. You're seeing third and fourth line minutes and you're working and clawing your way up. It's that freshman class at Michigan was just bananas. Um, you, so they had Thomas Bordalo. Um, they had a bunch of guys that they could just put together and be like, you're all freshmen and you're all really good. And we're just going to play the hell out of you. And so they all got top six minutes, you know, PP one, Uh, That's going to help. That's going to elevate, right? And yes, finding instant chemistry with Beneers uh, worked well because Beneers plays that that harder game. He can go in and retrieve pucks for you. He can get into the hot in the high danger areas where you take some more abuse for Johnson to hit him with that crossing pass and and get that a one. So yes, that that definitely helped the deployment. Who he was playing with, um, 
you know, Brendan Brisson was on that line at times too. And they played on the PP together, deadly release. So, you know, you set up a guy with a great shot like that. You're going to get some more points too, but you know, I, I will, I, I don't want to discredit what Johnson did because he was good. He was good in the NCAA. He was good at his game and the perimeter swinging around the, the offensive zone two or three times, holding onto the puck and assessing and assessing and assessing it worked. It doesn't often work in the NHL unless you are an incredibly talented player, like high, high end guys can hold onto the puck that long um, and slow the game down that long if they need to. So I don't see that from him coming, but again, you know, I didn't see him doing that in the NCAA as a freshman either. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave enough. that window open. Yeah. Yeah. So the number one you guy and you have on your board, I believe is William Eklund, correct? Not on my board. Okay. No, Sorry. Have- so who is number one on your board? Well, am I giving you my last published list or am I giving oh, you a okay. peek well, here, right? Nah, mm. I don't care. Whatever. Uh, I got Owen Power number one. I do. I have okay. Power number one. Yeah, his, he's he's really impressed me. I watched, you know, just a ton of his games when I wrote that article a couple of months ago or six weeks ago. Um, I watched almost every game of his this year. Um, and, and that really solidified him as a top three guy to me. And earlier on, I was a little bit lower on him. Again, another kind of Luke Hughes thing where I was really hyped on him when he was playing for the Steel last year. But it was easy to do because Chicago won like, every game they played um and he was a huge part of that but and then i got a little bit sour on him because i was like is the offense gonna come along is he gonna be this guy who's gonna be putting up 50 points or is it gonna be more like 25 30 and and you know do i want that at the top of the board and i had uh, i had one director of player scouting we were talking about him he's just like you're overthinking this cam he's like look at his skills look at what he did when he stepped into chicago and look where he came up throughout the year Look what he did when he started with Michigan and look where he's going now throughout the year. And the elevation of his game is it's tangible. Like you can, you can, you can taste it thick in the air. And then to go to the world championships and what he did there to step up and play huge minutes for Canada. And and really he did, he took control of that defense core for them. And he was really good. And it was, again, it was just like a microcosm of every year he's played the last couple of years is that a little bit of hiccups to begin with. And then he quickly gets it and he just figures it out. And so I love that in a player. And, you know, I love that in a player who's six foot five and can skate the way that he does. I still don't think he's going to be a 50, 60 point demon. I don't think he's going to be Victor Hedman. I don't think he's going to be John Carlson offense type of thing, but I think he's going to be an extremely good stopper at the NHL and teams are not going to want to take the puck down his side when they're transitioning through the neutral zone. They're going to do everything they can to avoid him. And then, you know, it depends on where he goes. If it's Buffalo, you know, is he going to unseat Rasmus Dahlin on the top power play? Probably not. So, you know, there's there's a reason why he's going to be a 30, 35-point guy. If he ended up going to Seattle, yeah, he's your top power play guy for the future. And then maybe he gets 45, 50 points, I, I guess. Um, but I've, I'm kind of done with underestimating where his game can get to. So with his his skating and his size alone, but then just the way that he can adapt into and adjust into situations, he's my top guy now. I, For, I'm still just blown away that you yeah. have, without being asked, made three player comparisons. Because <laughs> if there's one thing I know that you hate, it's that when I come to you and ask you for a comparison on a prospect. So I who, just have who to the, Who are the three? I called Sven Berchi, right? Who, who yeah, yeah, yeah. Sven yeah. Berchi. Well, and then, sorry. And then just, I guess you used two comparisons still in power there of... Uh, I'm saying know, he won't be those guys. Won't be. Okay, yeah. won't be. Yeah, All right. Well, hey, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll comp everybody. I, I, I'm still just rattling guy. over yeah. the fact that you freely <laughs> volunteered a player comparison. Yes, yes, I know. It's it's hard not to do sometimes, right? Like, it's stylistic. Logistically, it's hard not to <laughs> yeah. comp players up sometimes too, but I I absolutely hate it when, when people are like, he's going to be the next. It's like, no, nobody's right. the next, right? Yeah. 
So this is probably the weirdest timing, but I'll I'll throw this player comparable out. <laughs> and ask I'm excited. What you think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good luck, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. For for Owen Power, Colton Pareko. Like, are we even in the right ballpark there? It's not bad. It's not bad. Like um, power big guy. Far more physical than than Pareko does. Um, yeah. But yeah, big big guy who's going to chew up some minutes. Yeah, you know that's not bad. Good skater. Um, Good skater. Yeah. You know, he could even be at the top end. He could be like Pietrangelo, but on the left side. You know, that would be, I think, his top end. Um, a guy that could, you know, anchor Olympic blue lines on the second pair. Or not anchor, but like be that second pair guy on an Olympic team. Like that kind of level of player. And Pietrangelo, you know, he dumped a couple 50-point seasons in there. Not mm-hmm. being a pure offensive player. Um, so in the right situation, you know, I, I, power could get to that spot too. If he had the, the good surrounding talent and all the, all the PP minutes you could, you could chew on. Um, but yeah, th- there's, he's going to be a good player. Like, I don't think he's going to be Eric Johnson. I, who I said earlier, this, this class is kind of like Oh six where the D the college D went first. And it was like, mm, I guess we'll take this guy first. Cause who else are we going to take? Um, I think he's going to be better than that. And, and you know, again, no disrespect yeah. to Eric Johnson's career. Um, but he wasn't, you know, it didn't turn out to be first overall material, but I, I think, I think power is going to be a player that you're not going to feel bad about having taken first overall in 10 years, but there's probably going to be another guy that you're like, shoot that point of game center. That would have been nice too. Or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Whereas why I didn't want the Canucks to win of all lotteries, this one, um, because then you're kind of inevitably losing the draft, getting a great player, but you're going to, concede somebody who's likely far better just because of the year that it is that you haven't been able to see everybody in the right situations uh that you normally would so i'm i'm very content content at nine (laughs) yeah well i i I felt the same way i was like i was like who cares like vancouver fans you shouldn't even be excited about this at all i didn't even watch slaughter (laughs) this year i was in a fairy lineup and i was just like checking it on my phone um, but I was like, this is the year they're definitely going to win it because there is no, <laughs> yeah. there is no franchise altering player, here. right? Like this would be peak yeah. Canucks that this would be the year they did. And so they didn't. So, hey, maybe their good fortune has turned around. Maybe they're going to get the best player at nine. Um, I will not hold my breath for that, though. Yeah. Well, again, it, uh, to me, I, I still very much wanted to win it or at least, you know, lose those last couple of games. So we'd finish, you know, three, four, five or, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. So we could that get would have been Clark. Absolutely. Yeah. Because again, to me, call. Clark is like, you, you know, we, I don't know if there could be a more perfect player for what we need. And unfortunately, there's literally just one of them in the entire first round this year. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what's getting me. The um, uh, of course, just on the player comparison, our, our mutual friend Tony Ferrari has compared Owen Power to Tyler Myers, which obviously <laughs> has frightened us to say the least here in Vancouver. Do you think that's at all a fair comparison, or do you think that Tony's just being mean to me? Fucking Tony, that's I wish he was here right now because him and I could be having some fun. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not Tyler Myers because Tyler Myers can't stop a peewee kid coming down the wing, right? Like he's he's all <laughs> neck and no skills on defense, and and it's the inverse of of Owen Power. So I would I would venture to say that Owen Power has a similar offensive upside as Tyler Myers, and demonstrably better defensively. Like right now, like if you put them on the same team, he would perform way better defensively than than a 10-year pro in Myers. So, no, I don't think that comp is is fair at all. Um, and, and Tony should feel shame for it. <laughs> Man, I wish he was here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely have to bring you both on for our draft recap episode. Uh, the last question I have is one that I asked you on Twitter before, and you said, of course, that you were going to do a big deep dive into it. 
where would if Owen Power was available to be drafted last year, mm-hmm. what position do you think he would have been drafted in? Oh man. Um I don't know. I don't know. He three maybe? Like he, he I could that high? So it's still a great pick. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and and not only it, it, and that's baking in that like teams and scouts pros really like him. Like they they see a minute munching number one defenseman. And and so you know, you, you you want a piece of that, right? Like, so you want that over Raymond. You want it over Rossi and Holtz, these guys that are going to impact offensively. Like, yeah, he, he would have gone high. He would have gone high if he was in mm-hmm. that class. And, and he's what, like a month away or six weeks away if he was that much older, yeah. he would have been in that class too, right? So, yeah. and especially because he had a really strong year in Chicago, even as a draft minus one, if you just want to call that his draft year, I still think that he probably would have gone that high. If you call this his draft year and put it in that class, yeah, he's probably going behind Byfield. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Ottawa liked them too, but around that range anyways. Well, that, you know, definitely makes me feel better about this draft class than most of the stuff that we've been hearing this year that, you know, like to me, again, I I assumed that you were going to say something in the neighborhood of like 12. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Uh, He's good. He's good. I know it's, I know it's been lauded as like, there's no, there's no top guy in this class, but he's going to be very, very good. And you want top pairing defensemen. Right. And last year Mm -hmm. didn't really have, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about who the top D was last year. Um, yeah. Uh who was the top D last year? <laughs> I should probably know that. Oh, uh Sanderson. Jake Sanderson. Yeah, Jake Sanderson. Forth. So yeah, I take him yeah. over Sanderson. Uh, and yeah. I liked and I like Jake Sanderson too. But no, I would take him over Sanderson. Yeah. And he went yeah. five, right? Yes, I believe yeah. so. Five, yes, five so Ottawa's Ottawa's yeah. second pick. Yeah. And then who sorry, now who's the other defenseman that went early? Because I like him uh, better. Jimmy, Jimmy Drysdale, right? Drysdale, Drysdale yeah. yeah. Drysdale, yeah. yeah. So, and, and again, you take him over, probably you take him over both those guys, um, even though Drysdale looked really good this year. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. Really I, 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 owe, I owe him a drink because uh, another player <laughs> who I didn't think was going to, you know, this year he got the opportunity to go play pro hockey and play in the AHL and then get NHL looks. But, like, he looked, he looked really good. And a player that I really liked early on and then probably watched too much of his tape – seems to happen when i do these deep dives over scouted well i yeah i I end up watching like almost every minute of their season and i see all the flaws and and it's hard not to have the flaws stand out more than some of like the the really popping fun skills like oh fuck man you missed another transition pass like what's wrong with you and and you know like yeah it's it's not the end of the world when you're missing all these transitional passes outlet passes but i i thought that his game was predicated on having a little more time and space to make all these fun plays and, and to make those killer outlets. And then as soon as he was pressured, he would cough the puck up more and, and miss guys. And, you know, this year I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of them, but I heard, I heard some good things anyways. And he looked good um, playing for the gulls and stuff. So yeah, maybe I got to reevaluate when I watch hundreds of hours of tape on the same player. <laughs> Fair you know, enough. The, the last comparison I've got, and then I promise I'm done. Is, yeah, I, know, I promise. I promise. It, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it just, you know, especially with the world championship thing too, is it seems like a similar trajectory to Ryan Murray, who again, of course, big, oversized, left-handed defenseman, you know, mature game. And then of course, you know, hasn't lived up. Now, again, of course, I think injuries probably played a fairly major, uh, you know, point in that. And hey, Columbus probably didn't help too much either. Um, I just, again, that's the only other name that I, I just, you know, hey, you know, especially when the world championship thing came up, I'm like, Man, this kind of reminds me of Ryan Murray from not too many years ago. Yeah, I think that's, you know, yeah, it's tough because he, he was an older kid for that crop, if I remember correctly, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he didn't, 
he put up decent numbers in the dub again if i'm remembering correctly i don't know he's he wasn't very big though he wasn't like the same i think he was only like six foot or six one or something um but no i i, I thought he was six three yeah i don't think he's that big um but no hmm. power is a better skater um I, you know i don't exactly remember how how good murray was defensively at the time in 2012 but i liked him i thought he was going to be a decent player i didn't like him second overall that year but that was another weird year right that that 2012 class was kind of shit too right and i remember yeah when berkey was on the draft floor and he was just saying like no we're gonna, we, we would have taken riley one um and being like that's eh, you wouldn't have taken him one and then lo and behold like if you look back now like is it is it is it riley or is it philip forsberg like there's not a lot of options yeah. for who actually turned out to be the best player of that group so yeah murray murray's kind of a uh a case study and in, in reaching a little bit on a on a defenseman that maybe doesn't have the offensive upside and you know i was i was talking to uh, to a scout here a western scout just the other day and, and we were talking about pure defensive defensemen and and murray wasn't that pure defensive defenseman but the guys that you draft is you're like this guy's going to be a defensive defenseman in the nhl they still put up like over half point a game in in junior so these guys that are already defensive defensemen in junior and putting up like three points a season they're probably not going to be players. And I know that there are some scouts and there are some like head scouts and guys that like are making calls in organizations that you're probably not going to be happy about are liking some of these guys that probably won't project because they just don't have the skill to move the puck. Like they might be able to stop, but if you can't get the puck up and out, like you're going to be a six, seven. Um, there's a kid coming up Cole Jordan, actually, who I didn't talk about as a second round option for Vancouver. He might be a third round option for Vancouver, unless I talk too loudly. Um, he's going to be a player like this kid. I had a dub scout put him in my ear. He put him in my ear months ago and he said, this guy's Brett Pesci. And, you know, mm. he's like, I don't use that comparison very often, but you go and watch him and you tell me that you tell me I'm wrong. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time watching him and, and Mitch Brown. He's our Western guy um, at EP and and we both, we got banging the table and, and we've got him in our thirties here for EP coming up. Um, wow. And yeah, it's a player that we think is going to really turn some heads over the next couple of years. And people are going to be like, what the hell was he doing available at 80? Um, so, so Vancouver in the second or the third round, there's a, there's a player that, you know, again, put up like half a point a game in the dub, um, but is going to be a defensive defenseman. He can get five points a year in the NHL and it won't bother me because he's going to do a lot of good stuff for you in your top four. And right-handed. Oh, like oh gosh. Put me on the spot. Is he a righty? I think he's a lefty. Uh, I just, I want a righty. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking him up. <laughs> he's a righty. Picture him at the we're point, sold. but he's never on offense, so I couldn't think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're awesome. sold. There you go. Well, he's your second round pick. Before thanks. we let you go, because yeah, right. uh, like before we, it's not draft related, but I saw that you had a hip oh, flexor yeah. injury. How's yes. your hip? Man, it is not good. <laughs> it's not good <laughs> at all. I've had a rough year. I got knocked with a concussion early, um, back in like the end of September, and it's not my first um so it lingered on me and uh and then coming out of it so i was like really increasing my activity level and like working out and you know it sucks when i worked i over the pandemic like i was really getting in getting in shape and working hard and then i was gonna be like i'm gonna keep this rolling and run it all winter and i'm it's gonna it's gonna just be part of life now again and and then i got the conky and i was off i was on the shelf i couldn't do it so i was like i want to get back working out i want to get back working out. and so i did and i was just upping it quickly and i got myself a sweet chin up bar and I went from doing like a couple sets of 20 a day to this sweet new chin up bar to doing like five or six of them. And I thought I retore a hernia that I had oh. like four years ago. And I was like, shoot. And so I went to the GP and she's like, yeah, you tore your hernia. You got to go off surgery. And, uh, and so I got, they went to go ultrasound it and they're like, no, no hernia. But I'm just like devastated. Like I can't even walk really all that well. And like every night, like my, all yeah. my chest and my core is everything's so sore. 
And, uh, and so I go to the surgeon she's like, I don't know, go to a physio, go to a massage therapist, see if they can diagnose you. And so both of them are like, yeah, you, you tore your like iliopsoas muscles, your, your hip flexor muscles. Um, and it's been like eight weeks and it's getting worse. You probably need surgery. And I'm like, Oh, great. And so, uh, so that's where I'm at right now. And so I've just been babying it like crazy. And then I tweeted out that I, the kids are playing floor hockey and I'm like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> so I grabbed this old Sherwood lefty too, right? Cause I don't want to use those plastic flimsy sticks and my, my twigs at home. So I just grab a lefty and I'm playing lefty against these kids and I can't not dangle a bunch of like 15 year olds, right? Like that's just <laughs> how I'm wired, even if I got a backwards stick. And so I'm like extending myself and like going for like Forsberg moves on the break. And like, I'm like, the, the, the kids like, yeah, Cam, Mr. Cam, thanks for playing. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pay for this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. like popping pills. I'm iced out. I'm like, my wife's an RMT, and she's like, "Do you want me?" To? I'm like, "Don't touch it. Don't even come near me." Like, stay away yeah, leave me alone. Right? Like, oh my god. So, so that's fun. So, I uh, yeah, maybe have surgery there. coming this summer. We'll see. I guess I don't know. It's, I'm just gonna try well, to rehab. We wish you a speedy recovery for sure. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Like, yeah, I never had to get surgery on mine. Um, but I was in a wheelchair for a while because nobody could figure out really what was wrong. Um. <laughs> so okay so my first visit with the doctor i have to tell you this because this oh, is man. <laughs> this is my favorite doctor story of all time so uh like i grew up in a, a small town in northern bc so we had like just a, a gp uh that everybody went and saw right yeah name it i live in a town like that right now too just one little GP. houston houston nice okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh so we go in there and my my dent or my dentist my doctor is like this guy with these huge massive mitts on him right like he's from uh like newfoundland and just massive hands and uh he starts kind of pushing around on my hip and he's like does it hurt here does it hurt here and i'm like yes like excruciatingly yes um and he turns to his (laughs) he had like a, a student with him and he's like what was that thing terry fox had wow i'm like he's like cancer Cancer? he's like could be cancer and i was like you're telling me that i have trauma induced cancer i was like i told you (laughs) i played basketball then rugby and then i couldn't walk home and i passed out in my living room you're telling me i have cancer oh (laughs) my god could be be, be cancer the the student puts his face in his hands immediately right and i'm like um with all due respect, I'm going to go get a second opinion. Uh, so we went to we went to Prince George, and I got a bunch of tests done there. And eventually, uh, we came to the conclusion that it was probably a hip flexor. Which yeah, not yeah, cancer. but um, not What's cancer. Nice here. Well, yeah, you know, but... it's nice. Yeah, exactly. After you think it may be cancer, I guess hip flexor sounds like oh, I'll sign up for a hip flexor injury. What yeah, I want to yeah. know is, is like he not only was like the bedside manner to just be like, maybe, maybe it's cancer, <laughs> but know. also to be like, what's that thing called? Oh, right. Yeah, cancer. Right. Like, you're a doctor, yeah. bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think Harry Fox had like the, the most probably the most famous cancer patient in yeah. all of Canada ever. But yeah, right? no, to Cam's <laughs> point too, cancer is pretty famous on its own too. Right? I don't know if Harry Fox is propping up cancer as, as far as public, you know. Oh my God. Yeah, I was huh. like, dude, are you saying it. I'm going to lose my leg? Like yeah. what's happening here? Maybe. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying yeah. you're not. Yeah, not yet. Not rule it out, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's, uh, that was 
basically my my experience. So oh, I'm hoping I'm I'm assuming you have much better health care. I've I've had some yeah, <laughs> yeah, so far so good. I've got rotating locums nice here, like where I live too. It's just like a one one clinic, no hospital, and yeah. uh, and we have rotating locums. So like you don't even have the same big handed GP every time you roll up there. Um so you can be a little, you know, the discrepancy in quality of care can can vary a little bit. Also I'll share one quick story too is that I had this hernia like four or five years ago in Victoria. So I lived in Victoria forever. And, um, and like, I clearly had a hernia. Like I, I was like, Oh look, this giant bulge sticking out of my groin area. Right. My pubic area. And uh, damn you 15s. Right. Yeah. And so like, I'm like, I just ignore it for months. I'm playing like floor hockey tournaments at school intramurals and just crushing these 15 year old kids because I got to do it. And finally it's like, okay, this hurts. I'll go to, I'll go to a doctor. And I didn't have a GP. So I went to this walk-in. And it's this like old scuzzy looking dude. Like he looked like he should have retired years ago. He's like, yeah, just, just looks slovenly too. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, I got this hernia. I'm going to need you to like send me to a, to a surgeon. And he's like, let's see. And so I dropped trow and, and, uh, and it's like clearly a hernia. And he's like, no, that's not a hernia. I was like, that's your oh. penis. Yeah. <laughs> that's your penis, son. Yeah. <laughs> not that big bulge. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so he's like, so he's like, no, no, that's not a hernia. And so he goes, no gloves. He just goes, gloves optional in this point. He just grabs the grabs the boys and he starts working around there. And he's like, not not a hernia, like like going up through. And I'm like, you know, first of all, disgusting. Like, you know, you you better go wash your hands too. But like, you didn't even wash. Like, you didn't have gloves, nothing. And he's saying it's not. He's like, I'm like, then what is it? He's like, I don't know. So it was kind of the same thing, like insinuating, like probably like some sort of giant tumor that's growing out of your abdomen. I'm like, okay. And so, you know, I don't know, next, but it's not what you think it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so next day I go to like another walk in clinic. I'm like, so this other doctor who didn't wear gloves says this isn't a hernia. The guy looks at me, he's like, yeah, of course it's a hernia. Like, look at it. Like, touches it once. He's like, go to the surgeon. And the surgeon looks at it. He's like, we don't need imaging. I'll just cut you open and fix this fucking hernia. It's like, thank you. God damn. Yeah. And they all wore gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Wild. Yeah, except yeah, the yeah. one, eh? Yeah. Except for the one weirdo. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah the, 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 there's a correlation there between no gloves and having no fucking clue what they're talking about, eh? All right. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't even yeah. a doctor. He just happened to be in the room. Yeah. yeah. Oh my I think God. Just, yeah, 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 showed he up there in. one day. Yeah. What we got going on? Yeah. Here? Yeah. That's Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll fill your balls in. Drop chow, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, times. good times. Awesome. Well, oh, I'm man. sure we got to let you go here, Cam, but we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, of course, you can find Cam Robinson at Elite Prospects now. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I know, of course, your final prospect rankings are, or mock drafts going to probably be coming out fairly soon. Yeah, I dropped the mock draft a little while ago, right after the lottery. There for EP, I'll I'll put out a, a rankings. I'm uh, I'm being I'm being held at gunpoint by JD Burke. He won't let me release until uh, we we get some of our EP stuff out there. I'm just joking. We'll we'll drop a few of us who have our personal <laughs> boards. We'll all release them probably in the same week coming up. Um, yeah, just you know having some fun on Twitter, hockey underscore Robinson. It's report card season. I, I'm a school teacher, so I'm, you guys are keeping me from doing that right now, which I I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for. Uh, so I'll be. I'll be doing double duty here for the next month. But then, yeah, it's kind of cool. Usually that they all coincide where I have to do my report cards, skip out of school for the last couple of days and fly to the draft. Um, and so this year and last year is, is it's nice that it's a little later so I can, I can just skip out on my family and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and focus more on it in July. And, uh, and uh, so it'd be fun anyways. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having you. Thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks a lot, fellas. Take care. 
Allow me to introduce Pie Stick Vodka, a new way to celebrate victory. Gather around the glass with an award-winning, ultra-premium Canadian-made vodka. You probably won't listen when I say High Stick Vodka has a smooth, hard-hitting taste, or that it's developed in the birthplace of hockey. You won't listen when I say High Stick Vodka is a tribute to the game of hockey, or when I tell you it's distilled four times using Canada's purest mountain spring water to provide an authentic, remarkable flavor. But maybe you will listen when I say it comes in a f***ing hockey stick. Showcase your passion for hockey with our limited edition hand-blown hockey stick bottle. Whether you're celebrating victory or drinking to defeat, High Stick Vodka is better after every shot. Visit us at HighStickVodka.com. It also comes in this regular bottle. Celebrate victory. Drink responsibly. 